Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Pleasant Street Church. Please rise, embody your spirit, and let's sing.
Brothers and sisters, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Welcome to Worship at Pleasant Street Christian Reformed Church. Welcome to those of you gathered with us today in the room and those of you with us online for our live cast, uh, our live stream, or uh, after the fact for the recording. Uh, Friends, it is good to be with you on this Reformation Sunday, and it is a special day for us. As you can probably tell from the two inserts that we gave you in your bulletin today, my friends, we even use the good paper. Oh man, it is good to be together in the house of the Lord today, and there are a lot of exciting things happening, one of which is that today we get to welcome three new families into our fellowship here at Pleasant Street. And so we give thanks for that, and we look forward to welcoming and celebrating that in worship, and then also right after with a potluck. So if you didn't notice the extra tables set up on your way in, or if this is new to you, please do stay and join us for a potluck immediately after the service today. That's where the coffee will be, uh, and that's where the food as well. So please join us for that. Uh, The other thing that I want to highlight for you is that um, there's a number of things happening at Pleasant Street. One that's coming up in a few weeks, but we wanted to get on your radar is another seminar that we're doing right here at Pleasant Street on Friday evening, November 17th. And this one, uh, we're inviting some uh, fellow Christians down from Worcester who lead a ministry to women uh, around human trafficking. And so if you want to know more about that, we've had a slide that'll be playing up front. There's information in your bulletin as well. Really important conversation about things affecting actual people in our community. Please come and join us for that. It's free. It's open to the public. So invite your friends as well. Um, The other thing that I want to highlight for you uh, is that this is Reformation Sunday. This is an important moment in our history and family life as Reformed Christians. And uh, you may not know this, but uh, yesterday and Friday, the Fellowship Hall in the sanctuary was even more full than it is today with uh, adults and children, uh, men and women, who had all come here from all over New England to do one thing, to talk about the Puritans and to talk about Reformed theology and very heady, abstract things. My friends, if they tell you it can't be done, let me assure you, it was and it is being done. And the good news about that is that today, this church is again full (laughs) on Reformation Sunday. And we have come, my friends, to hear from God and to remember our Reformed faith with uh, the Canons of Dort. So friends, let's continue our worship together. Let's say this call to worship. People of God, in whom do you trust? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before the world was made, God chose us in Christ to be a holy people. In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. To him be glory to all generations forever and ever.
you may be seated. Please join me in this call to confession. Eternal God, our judge and redeemer, we confess that we constantly try to hide from you. We have lived our lives and apart from you. We turn from our 
We have ignored the pain of the world and passed by the hungry, the poor, and the oppressed. In your great mercy, forgive us sins, free us from selfishness. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen. Let's take a moment in a silent confession to God. Brothers and sisters, hear this good news. Who is in a position to condemn only Christ? And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ pays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. Praise be to God. Here are words you can trust. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Thanks be now to the one who rules all worlds, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, please rise in body or spirit and let's continue singing.
hear our cry. Lord, would you heal our land? That every eye will see, that every heart will know. The one who took our sin, the one who died and rose. So God, we pray to you, humble ourselves again. Lord, would you hear our cry? Lord, would you heal our Heavenly Father, to turn away from you is to fall, to turn toward you is to rise, and to stand before you is to abide forever. Grant us, dear God, in all of our duties, your help, in all of our uncertainties, your guidance, in all of our dangers, your protection, and in all of our sorrows, your peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to invite the deacons to come up for our offering. So here at Pleasant Street Church, we are a church that is provided for by the church. The deacons are going to be passing the baskets around, and that's one way to give. You can also look in the bulletin. There's a QR code. You can use that. They'll send you to our website. Let's pray. Your Father in heaven, you are our provider. You are our rock. You are our salvation. We can come to you on this morning with relative safety in worshiping you without harm coming to us, Lord. Across your world, is not the same as that with, for everybody. I pray for your church, Lord. Amen.
God has welcomed us with his peace this morning, and now let us greet each other with saying, the peace of Christ is with you. Good morning. Oh, sorry, that was really loud. I would like to invite the kids to come join me up here. So kids all the way up through fifth grade. You Okay, I think I was just a little too loud. Wow, look at all of you. My goodness. And there's more coming. Look at all of you. I'm so happy to see you all. Wow, some of you got haircuts. Let's see. All right. Where am I going to sit? Oh, I'm going to sit here, but I want you to be able to see what I have. Um, let me look in my bag here. Oh, yes, I was so excited to show you something that I threw it in my bag here. Sometimes I'm so excited about something that I just have to show you. Okay, this might be a little silly because this is a banana, but it's more than a banana. It's my favorite game. Do you like this game, Bananagrams? Does anybody like this game? Okay, sometimes I get a little too excited about this at home and everybody's like, oh man, we have to play Bananagrams because mom wants to play Bananagrams. It's her favorite game, but I get so excited. I want to tell everybody about it. There's little tiles in here. Let me show you these letters in here, little tiles, and you have to build words, and you have to be really, really fast. And at the end, if you use all your tiles, you get to yell, bananas! And then you win the game. But you have to have all your words spell right. Otherwise, what do you call it? Oh, you're a rotten banana if you spelled something wrong. 
So I get so excited about this. Let me zip it up. I get so excited that I like to tell everybody about this game and I like to share it with them and bring it and play it with them. And that got me thinking. That got me thinking a little bit. Are you ever very, very excited about something and you love something so much that you want to share it with them? What are you excited about that you like to share? Legos. Yes. I agree with that. I love Legos too. I love the Lego movie. What else, what else are we excited about that we like to tell people about? Anything? Sometimes a toy, sometimes a movie, sometimes new shoes, right? Sometimes a, an exciting vacation or something. There's lots of exciting things we like to tell people about. And so I was thinking, let me dig through my bag here. Lots of things in here. I was thinking it would be so cool if all of us, everybody in this whole room was so excited about Jesus and the Bible that we wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. I thought that would be so cool. Just like I'm so excited to tell everybody about Bananagrams, I think everybody should be so, so excited that they want to tell everybody about Jesus. So I was thinking, sometimes you don't know how to do that. But I have my Jesus Storybook Bible, and I want to read a little bit what it says. And this is a good way to maybe tell somebody or get somebody excited about it. Uh, it says, this is an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story. And at the center of the story, there is a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He is like the missing piece in a puzzle the piece that makes all the other pieces fit together, and suddenly you can see a beautiful picture. And this is no ordinary baby. This is the child upon whom everything would depend. This is the child who would one day, but wait. Our story starts where all good stories start, right at the very beginning. I feel like if we share that with others, they might say, I want to know what happens. This sounds like the best story in the whole wide world, and it is. And I think this is a good way to share. I would also like to share something at the end. It's a paraphrase of John 1, 12 through 13. It says, for anyone who says yes to Jesus, for anyone who believes what Jesus said, for anyone who will just reach out to take it, then God will give them this wonderful gift. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for all these kids who joined me up here. Thank you for those who um, couldn't be here today. Thank you for all the big kids and adults here also. Help us to be so excited about Jesus that we share just like it's our favorite game or our favorite Legos. Lord, help us to be excited and filled with you. In your name we pray. Amen.
All right, my friends, you can go back with your families, and we have some more exciting things to come. Thank you, Miss Kate. As, uh, as Miss Kate was talking, I was reminded that this story <laughs> is true. And what it means, uh, among other things, is that if, if you can hear this story, if you know that the good news about Jesus is for you, it means you're part of a family, which is very good news in a world full of people who feel lost and sometimes very, very alone. Family is something that we understand. And today, uh, I want to invite our small friends just for a second, if you would, from where you are, look around at all of these other big people around you. And big people, look at the small people sitting near you as well. Look at, look at each other for a second. Do you realize who you're looking at? Not just old people. Or not just young people. You're looking at your brothers and sisters which is the good news of what the story that Kate reminded us means for us. And today, my friends, we have happy news because I get to tell you that today, the story means that our family is getting a little bigger. We get to welcome some new members here at Pleasant Street, and so we're going to do that together now. Today, we remember uh, and welcome into the church's fellowship Three families who wish to confess their faith in Christ as Lord and Savior. Dave and Kathy, Bill and Heather, Brian and Mary. Would you guys please come and join me up front? We're going to gather around the baptismal font. I think it'll be a tight squeeze, but I think we're going to have enough room. The family is getting bigger, which is wonderful. <clears throat> Dave, Kathy, Bill, Heather, Brian, Mary, at your baptisms, you were marked as members of Christ's church. And it is our joy to welcome you and your families today as members of this congregation. We believe that the Holy Spirit has led you and your families to our congregation at this time for your good and for ours. We sense gifts that God has given to all of you. We welcome you and the sharing of your gifts for our encouragement, and we promise to share our gifts with you for your encouragement. And it is in this giving and receiving that we hope God's church will be built up and grow. We invite you now to affirm your faith in Christ and express your commitment to the life of this church and to the mission that God has given to all of us together. And so, my friends, in the presence of God who loves you and these people who love you too, please respond to the following questions. Do you believe 
that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior sent to redeem the world and the one who saves you from your sin? Do you believe that the Bible is God's word revealing Christ and his redemption? And do you believe that the teachings of this church reflect that revelation? Dave, what's your answer? I do. Kathy? Bill? Heather? Ryan? Mary? Do you accept the gracious promises of God sealed to you in your baptism? And do you affirm your union with Christ and his church, which your baptism signifies? Dave? I do. Kathy? Bill? Nice and loud. This is good. It's like you guys practice. Do you promise to do all that you can in the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen your love and commitment to Christ by sharing faithfully in the life of this church, honoring and submitting to its authority? And do you join with the people of God in doing the work of the Lord everywhere? Dave? I do. Kathy? Well then, my friends, Dave, Kathy, Bill, Heather, Brian, Mary, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome all of you to full participation in the life of this church. I welcome you to its responsibilities, its joys, and its sufferings. Thanks be to God. Friends, I have a blessing for you and for all of us. This comes from Paul in Colossians. Therefore, my friends, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Friends, I have a blessing for all of you together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen. Friends, let's celebrate together. Let's welcome our new friends. And it wouldn't be a welcome without a gift. And so this is a small token of welcome and gratitude from the family for all of you. I was instructed to give it to the women, Dave. Oh. I, I, I'm very sorry. Well, it's not it. personal. It was, it was just, it was, I was charged with that. So, <laughs> friends, let's uh, rise in body and spirit and let's uh, confess our faith together. Saying with one voice, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead.
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Welcome. As we're getting to know the new members of the family, one of the inserts in here has a bit of biography about uh, these new families, so please do get to know them and join us after the service as we have a chance to talk more uh, over food and coffee. I mentioned today that the family at Pleasant Street is getting larger, but today the family also gets a little smaller too. Because today, even as we welcome new members, we also signal and say goodbye and farewell to two members who have been with us for the last few years, Rick and Leanne Lukianic. If you guys wouldn't mind rising in place just for a second so we can see you. Rick and Leanne um, were actually among the very first people that I had a chance to welcome at Pleasant Street. And I was welcomed by them, I hope as much as they were by me. Rick and Leanne, your presence among us has been uh, invaluable. You jumped right in, leading Bible studies, playing the piano, and in a myriad of other ways. And your presence among us and your gifts have been a tremendous gift, and we are sad to see you go. But we know that even as you do so, you go with the Lord's blessing. And so we give thanks that God brought you to us, and we trust that even as God sends you on your way, that he will be with you in this next step of your journey but we will miss you. Thank you, guys. I'm going to invite Dawn, uh, who's leading our, congregation, our congregational prayer, to include the Lukianics in the midst of our prayers as well. Good morning. My name is Dawn LaFrancis, and I am one of the elders here at Pleasant Street. Um, today in our church calendar, we mark Reformation Sunday. That has already been mentioned. On October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany, marking the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. What does this mean? To reform is to make changes in order to improve something. When we look at ourselves and are tempted to be weighed down by our imperfections, we are reminded that it is by God's grace alone and through faith in Jesus Christ alone, the Holy Spirit is able to make changes in our heart in order to improve it. We're never done reforming. Reformation is a daily activity on this side of heaven. As a church family, we have the privilege of joining together to share our needs, confess our sins, and seek the Holy Spirit's ongoing reforming work in our lives. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you that in your great love for us, you have chosen us and called us by name. On our own, Father, there is nothing in us or that we could ever do to earn favor in your sight. Thank you for your gift of grace and for redeeming us to yourself through the death and resurrection of your Son. Thank you, Jesus, for paying a debt you did not owe to grant us freedom from a debt we could never repay. Holy Spirit, we ask that daily you would be at work in us to reform and reform our lives. 
We ask that you would fill this place this morning as we have come to worship. Thank you that we can do so freely without fear. And whether we are gathered in person in this place, joining online from afar, or unable to leave where we live, thank you that you are with us. Be with those who lead us in worship and in song. Be also with Pastor Matthew as he discerns and brings to us the message that you would have us hear. May our thoughts, words, and worship honor and glorify you. Lord of all creation, we praise you for the beauty of fall, for blue skies, for the myriad of colors in leaves, for crisp mornings and moonlit nights. The universe declares your majesty. Let our mouths declare it as well. Father, we praise you for our Pleasant Street Church community. We ask your blessing on these new members who today have publicly made a commitment to join our family. We give you thanks for each of them and celebrate the joy and gifts they bring as members together, one body with you as our head. And as we celebrate new members this morning, gracious God, we also say goodbye and ask your blessing on Rick and Leanne as they move to Texas this week. Thank you for their time with us and for the gifts and talents they have shared. We pray that you would grant them safety as they travel and provide them a smooth transition to a new home and community near family. Heavenly Father, in Psalm 46 we read, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Lord Jesus, thank you for this promise. Some days trouble seems to be everywhere and it does feel like the earth is giving way. Help us to be reminded of this assurance and to lean into you. When we hear of wars, fighting, and countries destroying one another, God of peace, protect those in harm's way. Bring oppressive leaders to their knees before you. Restore order until you come again to reign in peace. You are our refuge and strength. When we see and experience violence, hatred, and acts of terror within our own communities and country, Jesus, comforter, hold those families close. Comfort those whose lives have been upended and devastated by loss. Heal those who have been injured. Be with the families of those who carry out these acts of evil. You are an ever-present help in trouble. When we face or fear a health diagnosis, healer and physician, be with our family and friends who are struggling with illness, chronic pain, anticipating or recovering from surgeries. Therefore, we will not fear. When we experience loss in a relationship or of a family member, Jesus' friend and brother, fill the void with your never-ending love, though the earth give way. And when earthquakes, storms, and natural disasters devastate communities, Father, provider, be with those who are displaced, injured, and have suffered catastrophic loss, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Heavenly Father, through whatever we face and whatever comes our way, remind us, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. 
The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. Our scripture message this morning comes from the book of John, words from chapters 10 and 17, and then also a reading from Philippians. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were gathered there around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And from Philippians, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This is the word of the Lord. And also this morning, as we continue in our study in the Canons of Dort, Article 1. Those people whom God calls into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, God also sets free from the dominion and slavery of sin, though not entirely from the flesh and from the body of sin as long as they are in this life. Article 3, because of these remnants of sin dwelling in them, and also because of the temptations of the world and Satan, those who have been converted could not remain standing in this grace if left to their own resources. But God is faithful, mercifully strengthening them in the grace once conferred on them and powerfully preserving them in it to the end. And Article 12, this assurance of perseverance, however, does not make true believers proud and carnally self-assured, but instead is the true root of humility, 
of childlike respect, of genuine godliness, of endurance in every conflict, of fervent prayers, of steadfastness in cross-bearing and in confessing the truth, and of well-founded joy in God. Reflecting on assurance provides an incentive to a serious and continual practice of thanksgiving and good works. We've been looking at uh, this 400-year-old confession together this fall. Uh, we're going to continue that this morning, but before we do so, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, to, to, today, together, here, we are big and we are small. We are new to being in your house, and we have been here many times before. We have questions about who you are and what you're like. What we all want is to know that we can trust you. Because sometimes the world can be a very dark place. Sometimes we can feel alone in our bedroom. Sometimes we need a hand to hold to do something hard. Sometimes we cannot learn or do something new unless we have a hug from someone who loves us. And so, Lord Jesus, would you come in the power of your Holy Spirit and would you take these words in the Bible and would you bring them to life and make them real in our hearts? Amen. Many, many years ago, there was a Scottish woman named Agnes who lived in a small village. Agnes was known in her village for her faith in Jesus. And this had been true in her life throughout the years, and everyone knew this about her. Well, this was still true even as she was nearing the very end of her life, when she was very old and had taken to poor health. It also happened that in that village there was a young man who was equally known in his community for being very skeptical of the Bible and the promises of God there. In general, he was a modern kind of person who was suspicious of big claims that things like Christianity made. This young man would often visit Agnes, as it turns out, and when they were together, she would serve him tea and he would quiz her about her Calvinist faith. One day, knowing that her time was short, he rasked a rather direct, maybe even rude question to Agnes. Putting his teacup down, he said, Agnes, suppose after your long life of service to God and all your praying and all your trusting, suppose that when you die, God sends you off to hell to suffer there anyway. What then? Ah, Agnes said, Don't you know your Bible better than that? If that were to happen, God would lose more than I would, she said. I would lose my soul, which would be indeed terrible, but God would lose his honor, she continued. You see, God has made precious promises to me, young man. If he should fail to be faithful to his promises, his word would be proven untrue, and if his word were proven untrue, then the universe itself would end up in ruins.
And Scottish preachers have been telling the story of Agnes for years and years. Because Agnes is a picture of what it looks like when you set your faith fully in the God who holds on to you no matter what. And old Agnes, who is ready to bet her salvation on the promises of God alone, is the image of exactly what the canons of Dort have been talking about these last several weeks. Friends, here at Pleasant Street, we've been looking at this 400-year-old Reformed confession that shapes our theology in the Christian Reformed Church. It's called the Canons of Dort, and today we come to the fifth of five points in this confession. Sometimes it's called the perseverance of the saints. Other times it's referred to as the preservation of the saints. But whatever you call it, what it means is having the confidence, the assurance, the security that comes from knowing that you belong to God no matter what, no take-backs. This doctrine is about having the deep and abiding conviction that you belong to God. <clears throat> and it is the certainty that Jesus lays out for us in this conversation with the Pharisees in John 10. He says, my sheep know me and they follow me. <clears throat> It's an assurance and a certainty that Jesus says is as real as being able to hear his voice with your own ears. And if you can hear his voice, Jesus says, in a world of people who are deaf to God, it means that God is giving you eternal life. And that means that you will never perish. For it means that you belong to Jesus. And if you belong to Jesus, then you belong to God the Father. And no one's grip is more secure than God's. And so no one can snatch you out of God's hand. This is Jesus, my friends. And this is the same assurance that Jesus then goes on to pray on behalf of his believers in John chapter 17. He's getting ready to leave and he prays for his disciples and he says, Father, Protect them. Help them to persevere in the name that you have given me. And wonder of wonders, what the canons are telling us is that this is certainty and assurance that Jesus prays for his believers is what is available to us. Even more than that, that God wants us to have security in him. That in fact, Jesus himself prayed that we would. You know, in some ways, all the doctrines that we've been looking to, they've been leading up to this point, right? God's freedom to elect some and not others, where we started election, it results in God using his freedom to send Jesus into the world for the world and for particular people. And that's necessary because we are spiritually blind and and deaf and dead without God. And that means that God has to be the one to do the work of making us alive, regenerating us all by himself. And if God starts that work in you, my friends, you can rest assured that God will finish what he starts. Or as Paul prays with confidence in Philippians, God who began the good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day that you die or Jesus comes back. Security in God like this, in the words of the Bible itself, this kind of certainty, man, this is something that 
as I think about it, we want and we don't want all at the same time. We pull back when people make absolute claims, don't we? We're not used to that kind of language anymore. I mean, consider the kind of words that we speak these days. We've become like, you know, well, somewhat tentative-ish in like our use of language, you know what I mean, kind of. In this world, we have been taught to, to cower or flinch when someone swings with eternal confidence, man, because pride cometh before a fall. And if there is one thing that is true about the canons of Dort, it is that they are extremely confident that when it comes to salvation, it's got to be like this. The canons, though, they're not trying to bully us. They want us, like that Scottish woman Agnes, to be able to know that we can set the full weight of our spiritual trust in the chair that is the assurance of faith. But we pull back from this because we're not sure that we're not just going to write fall through the air. Man, my friends, so much of our life is shaped by the reality that what? Well, the only thing that's certain is that nothing's certain. And as I think about our life as a church in the last year, that is true. We may not have even known that confidence like this was possible. But also, I think we pull back for another reason. And it's because we aren't sure that being confident like this is actually a good thing. Security in God can seem like a threat to, to change and to growth in life because we assume that people only change out of a place of restlessness, that growth can only come from a place of anxiety, not a place of security. Did you ever see that movie Whiplash a couple of years ago? It's about a, a jazz band teacher at a New York City conservatory, and it's about a, a young drummer who is desperate for greatness, right? And the young drummer, he idolizes this director, and he is desperate for his approval. The whole film is, is taut and tense and hungry and unsatisfied, like the young man, like the director. Well, the leader uses this to, to begin to drive his student past his barriers. His methods, my friends, are borderline abusive. The director is moody, he is manipulative, he is demanding, he is demeaning, and all of this in the name of pushing this young drummer beyond even what he thinks is possible for himself. And so the band leader, we see him withhold love and security and acceptance all of the things that the student is craving for him, all in the name of excellence. And there's this line at one point in the film where the band leader is trying to explain his methods over dinner, and he says this, there are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. Why? Because it makes you soft. If that is not the world that we live in, I don't know what is. 
We live in a world that believes deep in its core that being secure is the enemy of change and growth. My friends, we are in good company today because more than any of the other doctrines that we have looked at, this doctrine of the assurance of salvation, it raised the ire of, of both Roman Catholics and Arminians at the time it was written. So there was this, this Jesuit theologian named Robert Bellarmine, and he at the time, he looked at this, and he said that the preservation, the perseverance of the saints, quote, was the worst heresy of all of them that the Reformed heretics had. And the Arminians, too, right? On the other end, <clears throat> at first, when this was being developed, they wrote in their confession that they didn't know what to think about the assurance or, or if it's possible. And then nine years later, by the time we get to the Senate of Dort, they're saying, we, we cannot accept this. Why? Well, they said, well, you can be assured that God's grace is real. You can be assured that God will always help you. And you can be sure uh, that if you do your part, you will make it in life. But you cannot be sure that you will make it. In the end, you can only be sure of whether or not you meant it when you decided to follow Jesus. So both the Roman Catholics and the Arminians pull back from this for the same reason, which is one that is still true today. When we look at this, we see that we worry it makes people morally lazy, that it's going to make sin cheap and obedience an easy thing. They and we are convinced that being secure in God's grace would, well, would put you to sleep. But my friends, Placing your security in your own effort doesn't make sin more serious in life. All it does is make you more anxious. And anxiety, if you think about it, if you look at the world around us, anxiety doesn't make us selfless in extending ourselves in love and persevering in that path. What it does is it makes us self-preserving. Todd Billings uh, is a, a theologian who I've come to respect. His journey's similar to mine. He grew up in an evangelical church background uh, and then found his way through John Calvin into the Reformed theology camp, and he became a professor of Reformed theology at a seminary. In one of his books, he writes this about his story. He says, I grew up in a common form of American Christianity that basically treated anxiety like a fruit of the Spirit. If you were not worried about your own holiness, something was wrong with you. What it did, though, is it made in me a burdensome, disingenuous Christianity where growth and my own growth became a matter of me drawing deeply on myself to do good things for God, and my holiness became the end in of itself as opposed to what God wanted, which is to make us holy so that we will bless the world. It turns you in, not out. Which is why, even as we pull back from the doctrine of security in God, this is also at the same time something we desperately want. Maybe in a part of ourselves we don't even realize there's a name for. This is something we crave. Because, well, you know why. Because we see churches clothes. Because we see people walk through life without Jesus and they tell us that they feel fine. And we see others who at one time in their life seemed absolutely sold out for Jesus and then all of a sudden they did an about face and they gave it all up and said, yeah, it was never true in the first place. 
The canons of Dort tell us that even though assurance of, of your faith is possible, we're not robots about this, right? We don't continue as Christians in the life of faith in this unbroken upward climb. Our assurance, it, it ebbs and it flows. My friends, the canons are telling us that you can be a genuine Christian and doubt if you are a genuine Christian. Being a Christian is hard, my friends. And today, it's the canons that are more realistic about that than us because they are taking the power and presence of sin more seriously than we do. You can see just how realistic, if you read the first seven articles, which I'd encourage you to do, right? What they're saying, in summary, is that after we become Christians, we are still, all of us, a train wreck. We're weak, we're tempted, we still remember what sin feels like, and we crave it. We still do terrible things after we become Christians. Sin doesn't rule us anymore, we aren't slaves, but it still has a grip and it's real, and the consequences are real too. We can, at times, become desensitized to sin, and we can actually begin to forget what grace feels like. And yet, the canons say, we cannot unjustify ourselves any more than we could justify ourselves. What the canons are trying to tell us is that if it was up to us, if we were left to our own, nobody would make it. Because being a Christian is the result entirely of God's work, and being a Christian is really, really hard, and so God must be the one to continue the work. And our assurance is that God does continue the work. Though we sin, and though we might wander off a long way and for a long time, we, my friends, are never out of sight of the God who first found us. We once were lost, but now found you cannot be unfound. This is not to say, though, that assurance means that we're, we're now like somehow a, a privileged British royal with an army of private security and that God is our butler who wanders around cleaning up after our foibles, paying off the tabloids and preparing good PR for us. No, my friends, what this is telling us is that God comes and finds us while we are still asleep, and he throws open the blinds with the early morning light of repentance. The canons are trying to tell us that at the end of the day, assurance means that we are gods. We are saved because we are gods, and when we wander away, we still belong to God. And that means that God comes after us. It means that God is the one who actively seeks us when we get lost to ourselves. And he leads us home once more, however far we have wandered away, because the canons tell us that though the grip of sin is real in this world, our hope is that God's grip is unbreakable, which, of course, is good, good news for us, because truth be told, it's not a question of if any of us wanders away, but when and how far. And so the canons tell us that God perseveres us, by preserves us by chasing us down, by calling us home, by breaking our hearts for the things that break his, which sometimes includes our own disobedience. And because God preserves us in his faithfulness, we can be assured that we will persevere. 
we will make it to the end of this race. Friends, the preservation of the saints does not make sin and obedience easy. It makes repentance and change possible. Have you read the parable of the prodigal son? Two sons, both are lost. One stays close to home. The other goes very far, far away. Both of them wish the father dead. The son who wanders away has this realization, and he decides to come home, preparing his I'm sorry speech for God himself. But what wakes him up to the possibility that he could come home? Is it that one day he decided he was going to go home? No, it is that he remembers who his father is. He remembers who his father is. He remembers what his dad is like. And he believes against all other hope that it might be possible that this man may just take him back. And he does. And it is this certainty of God's love for us, Article 12 says, that is the true root of humility childlike respect, genuine godliness, endurance, real prayer, truth-telling, and joy in God. So what's the significance of knowing that you cannot pry God's fingers from your heart and neither can Satan? It means you're safe. It means that you can trust God. It means that, my friends, you can sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And when you do, you can lean all of your existential weight into it and know that you will be held. And that kind of love is the true root, the canons say, for real change in the world. Or, as Mr. Rogers, ordained Presbyterian minister that he was, would say, love is at the root of everything. All learning, all relationships, love or the lack of it. My friends, here at the end, the paradox is this. God must be the one to open our hearts to his voice and his call. And when he does, he does so in order that we might learn to open ourselves to him. And we become people who strive in faith because we are eternally at rest. We become people who give ourselves away sacrificially without counting the cost because we have been given absolutely everything we need and God spared no expense. We begin to become people who follow one step at a time, even in the valley of the shadow of sin and death, because our hearts are forever bright with the face of God who has turned his face toward us in Jesus. We begin to become people who risk failure and Satan's arrows himself because God is our mighty fortress. We strive to love all people without distinction because we have been particularly chosen by God through Christ from eternity past to eternity future, and we would like anyone else to know this too. We walk through this world as though homeless, not worried about the outcome or consequences because we know that even now we are pilgrims headed home to God. 
My friends, the secure love of God does not put us to sleep. It wakes us up. In 2018, a very dear and influential pastor named Eugene Peterson passed away. Maybe, maybe you know him or his story. In his public life, Peterson wrote dozens of books and countless sermons about Scripture t- that touched many, many people. But at his funeral, it was his son, Leif, who said that the secret <clears throat> was that for, for his entire public life, Eugene Peterson was only ever saying one thing. It was the same message in each book he wrote. It was the same message in each sermon. It was the same message at each sermon that he did and at every funeral that he presided. Leif had heard it on the outside publicly for 50 years from his father as a pastor. But the way that it touched Leif personally, most powerfully, was in his own dark room at night. Because when Leif was a child, his dad would sneak into his dark bedroom after long church meetings and he would go to his son while he pretended to be asleep. And Peterson would, excuse me, would lean down and he would whisper the message he was saying publicly, quietly to his son over him. The same message that everyone else was hearing publicly in dramatic ways. And the message was this. God loves you. God is on your side. He is coming after you. He is relentless. And last weekend, my friends, do you know that I heard that whisper of the relentless, secure love of God at a funeral? Some of you gathered with me at Edie's memorial service. Edie was a dear saint and beloved person in our congregation. She passed away a few weeks ago, and at her memorial last weekend, Pastor Howard gave us there a moment to share a few words about Edie. And her family did, which is not unsurprising, and they gave moving reflections about how Edie and their lives had been a place of secure love in their lives. She was mom. But Howard gave us more time, and the longer that we went, it actually gave some other people an opportunity too. And eventually, a couple of Edie's neighbors got up. And one woman spoke. She was a dog walker. She said, even though I'm not part of the neighborhood that Edie lived in, she befriended me. She was saying that I was just the dog walker, but somehow this woman whom I would see outside, she became a grandmother to me. And she taught me wisdom. She taught me how to love my husband. She taught me these things even though I am not a religious person. And then her next door neighbor got up and gave witness to how Edie had been a grandmother to his young kids. They didn't have family close by, and she adopted them even though they were strangers. And finally, a third neighbor got up and gave this testimony, and at the end, she said, Thank you for sharing Edie with us. Somehow the security of God's love in Christ found its way, worked out through Edie in her neighborhood in an open door and an open heart. And what I wanted to say right in that moment was, no, 
Edie, thank you for sharing us with them. For this, my friends, is what it means to be assured of God's love in your life. It does not mean that we get to go to sleep now. It means that grace has woken you up and opened your eyes to a very lonely world. Friends, what the canons declare is the sure good news that I have for you today, which is the certainty that God loves you with the unbreakable grip of a father. And when we forget, and when we wander, and when we get lost, rest assured of this, that God will always, always come after you, and that the grace that taught your heart first to fear which is the grace which your fears relieved, will be the grace that leads you home again. In fact, you can bet your life on it. In fact, you can rest assured because God loves you. God is on your side. He is coming after you. He is relentless. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, these are big words, and some of them are hard for us to understand. And church has been long, and some of us are new about all of this. The Bible is a big book, and there is mystery here. And so, Lord Jesus, would you give us the Holy Spirit to help us to recognize your voice and to help us to know what this means? And by that spirit, would you help us to experience through these doctrines the reality of you holding on to us? No matter what, no takebacks. Amen. Friends, would you rise in body and spirit? Let's sing together. This is my Father's world.
and sisters, that ringing good news goes with you this week and always. It follows you, uh, leading you with uh, mercy and goodness all the days until we arrive safely in the house of the Lord. Friends, would you lift your eyes, open your hands, and receive it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and, and give you his peace. Amen. Let's go singing. i yeah. 
love and serve Jesus Christ. But first, let's go have some lunch.